I'm Bat. And I'm Leslie. Welcome to Quince. A little sweet. A little tart. And a little unexpected. Oh, today is Wednesday, March the 2nd, 2022. Hard to believe it's already March and it's coming in like a lamb after some really awful February foggy days. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. But that's the mountain for you. Yeah, I had to take Dad to um, Salem twice. One one week and then the next week, and it was foggy both days. Oh, that's miserable. Uh, it was, I was pretty exhausted when I uh, when we finally got out of the car. Uh, then we had one more foggy day, and I said to Dad, oh, look, we don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I took a Sabbath on one of those foggy days. I, I'm not even sure I got out of my jammies. <laughs> well, it was not a good day. If I hadn't been for the... Uh, doctor's appointments because, um, you know, it's it's crowded up there and I hate to miss them. And it's hard to, you know, because somebody else misses out if we have to cancel. Right. So we just did it and we were fine, but it was a little, at 6.30 when I got home the last night, it was like, I'm glad this is over for a while. Yes. <laughs> yes, but spring has sprung-ish. Isn't it amazing? Kathleen and Peter said, Beth, you've got to come over. So I went over to Croquet Holler, where they live, and by golly, I got my first pictures of crocuses. Well, they were beautiful. Yes, and a few other things. The skunk cabbages had opened up, mm -hmm. and that blue... Oh, gosh, what did they call it? Grecian bluebells or something. I can't yeah. remember the name. Um, pictures of that. And today I was walking uh, down on Mayberry Church Road and got daffodils. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I've been noticing um, some of our Facebook friends that are from around here and you know, my age and maybe a little older, call those Easter lilies. Yes, I saw that today. Yeah. And that was what we grew up calling them. Uh, you know, it was kind of like rhododendron. We didn't know the word until we were 20, daffodil. Oh, <laughs> I that today somebody said that was her grandmother's favorite. Yeah. Easter lilies, and yep. I thought, oh, that's different. Well, we didn't, uh, you know, the only lilies that I remember seeing uh, were like daylily type. Right. Uh, and uh, um, the tiger, we call them tiger lilies. The right. ones that grow wild along the side, I guess they're wild. Yes. Uh, they may be a, a transplant that grow along the side of the road in the summer. Yes. It's um, an orange one. Mm -hmm. But the white Easter lily was something people weren't familiar with. Right. I, I'm not sure when I was growing up and we would order them in church, but... Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah, somebody might have bought one for church or something, but I don't remember, don't recall. Right. Heck, I don't recall people bringing flowers for church until I was grown, but I couldn't just say that was always my mother's job at our church because she raised so many flowers that she did the flowers for our church. Yeah, I may be wrong. I'd have to ask. I know when we moved to Stewart, Mom helped with the flowers some. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember these old mountain churches if they had flowers. Well, and that's why it's really tough on me if there's um, fake yeah. flowers because my mother... 
taught me early on, well, I, and I taught my son too, that to say fake flowers are tacky. <laughs> <laughs> we could barely talk, and I'm still, I'm like, oh my gosh, Beth, what a thing to. But it was, it was just something Mom said. You just can't replicate God's handiwork, you know. Wow. And she was a botanist, so I, you I, know. I've never thought of it like that. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't like uh, artificial flowers at all. No, I, I just, just never have. But, so, and people here, you know, they were frugal, if not poor, and to buy artificial flowers would probably not be top on their list of things to do for the church. I right. think they were more concerned well, about other things. Well, we would just as soon have a branch off a redwood tree or right. a or something and put that up on the altar. Yeah. You know. uh, or greenery. There may have been like greenery in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. There's this wonderful stuff called brown pine. Oh, I'm telling you, I hiked. I don't know if you saw my pictures on my hike yesterday, which was out off Light, light Ridge, uh-huh. all along there. The ground pine was the thickest I have oh, ever seen awesome. it. But people around here call it running cedar. Running cedar. Which is such a pretty name. Yeah, I've forgotten that. It was uh-huh. running cedar. And uh, you could take it up. You know, it's on the ground, just roaming around, and yes. uh, and uh, use it as a decorative. Absolutely, and it would stay pretty for quite a while. Yes, in fact, we used to sometimes put them in like a terrarium or something, and it would stay for months. Yeah, yeah, it would be a long time. So that may have been what they did in mm-hmm. the winter time, and then in the summer, of course, people did have flowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we kind of got off the track of, of but spring is coming. Yes. And so uh, the uh, time changes in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I think it's Saturday the, the 13th. 13th. Something like yes. that. So not long. Oh. You have to spring forward. And then uh, the chickens will be awake when I get up. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of saying yeah. I like it because then I can walk longer in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I just wish they would leave it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I don't really care which way. It's just, I, I really think it's hard on people. It is. To have the time change and uh, yeah. you know, lose that hour and little kids out. And, Especially the spring forward one. Yeah. That, that messes with us. Yeah, messes us up. So, But anyway, what else have we, oh, we uh, had our lovely Ash Wednesday um, service tonight. Mm-hmm. The Mayberry Presbyterian Church. It was very, very nice. It's one of my favorite services every every year. Yeah, I think I've been going to that church seventeen years, and yeah. I I don't think I've ever missed it. Oh, I really. There's just something about starting Lent, um, and that whole Easter season. I I don't know. Yeah. It's very humble. It's very humbling. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And to get the ashes, I mean, now when I was growing up, nobody did that except, no. I think, for Catholics and maybe Episcopalians, you yeah. know? Yeah. That was, that just was not something we did. Right. Um, but when I came here and Stuart Childress, Reverend Childress, 
did it, I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's I like meaningful. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so we did that. And we had over 20 people. Yeah, it was a nice crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like many, but for a Wednesday evening, it's six. Six. Yeah, <laughs> six or five. And have ashes put on your forehead. Yeah, it was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of people that um, I didn't know, mm-hmm. or a couple of couples that I didn't know. So that yeah. was nice. Yeah, it was very sweet. For sure. So, um, what else has been going on? Mm-hmm. It's been kind of quiet in town. Um, the um, the local activities that really don't start up until April. I think they're going to have bingo this week. Uh-huh, this and, and maybe a hot dog social. All right. And, and um, something like that is being planned, but things will be gearing up soon. Well, I thought of something that has changed in our community. We have Amish people. Oh, yeah. I thought we had mentioned that. Oh, did we? Well, maybe. But the last week or two has been really interesting because they're getting out. I guess the weather Mm -hmm. is better, and so we're seeing the horses. But what I didn't know about was the bicycles. Oh, I hadn't seen the bicycles. I saw the old tractor. I had a fella driving, and I had a, a seventh grader riding with me. Mm-hmm. And she said, "My, he's got an odd hat." And I looked. And I said, "Oh, that's one of the Amish families." And it was an older tractor, and he was going very slowly. But I guess their order allows that. Well, there's different. I think there's different. I don't know enough about it, I should hush, but I think there is different, um, uh, some use machinery and some yes. don't. Yes. So, uh, our friend Felicia put up a picture uh, at her store yesterday and the day before, and there was a horse and one of the small buggies, it, it was like a seat. Oh. And then there were two bicycles beside it. Oh. And I thought it was such a cool picture, so I commented it was cool because I thought, here's the old and the new. Yes. You know, that I thought maybe it was, because we have bike riders come through here sure. all the time. Well, as it turned out, uh, when I was coming back from uh, church this morning, I met one of the Amish gentlemen riding one of those bikes. Well, that's news to me. Yeah, uh, and so and he was coming down to Rosper, and um, I don't know if he turned up the ridge or not, but mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah. You know, I was, I was uh, speaking with one of my neighbors who has had, who is a farmer and has had long conversations ah. with him. I didn't realize 12 families are coming. Well, I knew there was a, uh, a goodly number because there's a lot of property apparently mm-hmm. that's all. Mm-hmm. So it, it should be interesting how it all goes about. Well, and and this gentleman told me that they are making a very concerted effort to be friendly. Okay. And I saw several of them in the dollar store okay. the other day. And two sweet faced young ladies and they just grinned and said hello how oh, are you okay, and the two late young ladies I had the conversation with at my shop this weekend oh yeah you know we just chatted casual very casual mm-hmm. I don't want to be invasive right but um they um two young very young women uh came in and looked around the shop and we talked knitting and uh, or yarn and different things but so yeah so yeah I hope that it's true because that would be, you know, nice to have a, a community involvement. Absolutely. Don't know what their plans are about 
uh, farming or whatever. Right. I assume farming. Well, it will all unfold. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I got the picture of um, the man and woman coming, as I was coming home from church, and they were coming up the road, and I shared it on the Patchett County Photography site. Right. And, gosh, the comments for, you know, from all over Patrick County oh. was, welcome, welcome, this That's is so great. exciting. And people and feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have people feel like that. Me too. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen anything negative, but, yeah. at all. But the only thing I worry a little bit about is, um, the traffic on Squirrel Spur. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of traffic on Squirrel Spur. Yeah. I, I but worry. But people are aware. Yeah, I worry about that too. Yeah. Actually, so yeah. yeah, there's just you know, it's a main road. Mm-hmm. And so that's was the thing I was concerned about. Well, I think they like to cut through on my road than to go up. Well, that would be the smart thing to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, um, if they can get, I went one time back years ago. I tried to figure out if there's a way I could drive a horse and buggy all the way to Floyd and not get on a main road. I can almost make it. You almost can. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can almost make it. Just that last couple miles into yeah. town. Yeah, well, and the, um, I consider Black Ridge Road main road. There's a lot of traffic on that one, yes. too. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking about um, road, really back roads. Mm. Probably take two days. <laughs> <laughs> you go past the old iron furnace. Yeah, yeah around through there, back across the mm-hmm. and some roads I can't even remember the names of now. There's the one called Emanuel. Right, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I, I almost could make it, but not quite. I don't even know why I was thinking about it. Well, that. I was going to ask you that. That's <laughs> very interesting. Thought. <laughs> I thought that would be a good idea. No, um, but now we have so many stores in town. I could, I could easily, if it wasn't for Dad, not leave the mountain. Well, with my old rickety truck, I don't take it any further than the mountain yeah. now. And um, yeah, I mean, once in a while, what the one thing that I have, uh, I've got my friend. In fact, was picking me up some today. Or if I do get off the mountain, is salad greens. Yeah. Yeah, that is one thing we do miss. And I'm almost ready to put some in. Yeah. In a little garden. Oh, it's easy to do. I know. I used I to just... do that all the time. I, I would have, when I was organized and didn't have so much, I'd get it early in the spring, and then um, I'd have another group coming up, and then another, and then a fall. Right. Well, I have so many neighbors who are so generous. Yeah. Also, that say, stop by any time. Yeah. Know, there's yeah. no way we can eat all this. No, exactly. So, it bolts. If it gets hot, it bolts. You right. need to start a new. Right. So, summer, it's not so much. It's in the middle of February. Yeah. Right? yeah that's when I want my salad. But, I see, you remember um, Barbara Kingsolver's book. Yes. About eating locally. Uh-huh. And her point was, well, if it's not available in the winter, you're not supposed to eat it. Right, right. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm pretty sure they did get to missing salad. Yeah. Good salad stuff. Yeah, sometimes you just great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but pretty much you can get yeah, everything you need. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there, um, I got um, pretty raggedy this winter with my clothes. 
And I just haven't had a chance to go anywhere. I usually shop Goodwill or Angels in the Attic. And I just haven't had a chance to go. I just don't have a block of time. So I got on the hunger site, the greater good, they call it, and ordered a bunch of not very expensive skirts and tops and a jacket. And they're always so cute. Yeah, yeah. And and you're doing good, you know. Uh, They're not very expensive, and they're supposedly feeding children or stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, I, you know, I I look down, and there's a stain that wouldn't come out. (laughs) I'm not real vain, so I don't pay a lot of attention. And then all of a sudden, one day, I realize I had nothing to wear to church. (laughs) So I wear it. I, I put on a jacket to hide the stain. And it's the the jacket that the dog ate the pocket out of. <laughs> because uh, you know, because I left something in there that he wanted. And I said, okay, you know, I, I really need to do better than this. <laughs> Not that we're a dressy church, but no. but, no. but they generally look a little better than that. <laughs> All right, so I guess we'd better go into. Our knitting area and our theme this um, week is rivers, or yes. a particular river actually, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I found an absolutely beautiful pattern uh, for a shawl. It's called River Dance. Ooh. It's by Lauren Renee, and I'm probably saying her name wrong. I apologize. Uh, it's a knitted. Um, piece and she's using a um, lovely kind of variegated fun um, DK speckled yarn to make a really interesting effect in the oh that is gorgeous it is gorgeous and it's it's a lace um, partly lace partly single it it doesn't look at all hard Uh, she's in a DK weight she uses Queen City yarn Bitterville DK, but uh, and it's about 600 yards, which surprises me. It looks like it's a lot bigger than that. And she, it has two fun fading sections to keep things interesting, and have and she suggests have fun picking the colors. And it does have a lace chart and a diagram of the construction at the bottom of the pattern for those that are more visual. Learned I read a pattern. Mm-hmm. But some people do prefer a chart. And she says, one last thing before you start. Your knitting is yours. If you don't like how I've laid out the thing, change it the way you like it. You're the boss of your own knitting. Ah. <laughs> so I like I think that you should create a Dan River Dance shawl. Oh, and my goodness. sell that in your shop. Yeah, I don't know. No. I, I'm not that. I'm not a good enough knitter to do patterns like that. Well, could you just make some and say, here, this is called the Dan River... Well, I can't use her pattern. No, that that's not... That's, well, you, all, that's not all, at all appropriate. Well, no, I, I, well, I understand that. You don't want to... Yes. Could you give her credit and just have some for sale? Or is everything that you create... Everything that I make is my own original pattern. Your own original that I sell. And my patterns are very simple because I'm not that good a designer. 
Um, so I do have uh, some triangle shawls that I've done, but I'm just not that. And I make fingerless mitts, but they're all my own patterns. Oh, see, I know. Yeah, the only thing I don't, uh, the only thing that I make that's not my original pattern is a dishcloth. But Adam probably um, designed it. Or Eve. You know? right, right. <laughs> it's been around for so a long time. Right, right. No patents on <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, there's no patent on that one. But uh, other than that, I make, everything I make is my own pattern. Oh, I see. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's one thing I, you know, being that we're book people, Copyright's important. Yes. You know. Well, I understand. That, yeah. that is... Yeah. So, um, yeah, I even make these little tiny sweaters, and I made up the pattern myself for those, too. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then there's some designers that say, hey, do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, if, if they don't put that on their page, I'm definitely not going to. Mm-hmm. But this is a wonderful shawl. It looks beautiful. Yeah. And if I was a good designer, I, it would be fun to make a Dan River shawl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. figure out what to do. You could do the rocks, you know, mm-hmm. and you could do the green, mm-hmm. and you could do the, uh, the chestnut color, and, or yes. the color of the old chestnuts at the time. Yes. It would be cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, that's a good maybe, job. Yeah, maybe one of our listeners. Right? Yeah, yeah. If we had, uh, we did have two wonderful designers in uh, town that were both retired and moved away. And uh, they, they could have done it with their eyes closed and half asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they knew, they definitely knew what they were doing. So, anyway, the Riverdance Shaw, I think, it would be fun to do. So now we are, we started with this subject because you had a book. Yes. Well, I had a book for sale. It was still for sale, as far as I know. And it was written back in, what, 89? No, 90. 95? 95. Yeah. Uh, It's called The Dan River Book, Mm -hmm. Odyssey, Epic, and Guide. And it's by... Forrest Altman. Forrest Altman. Maps by John Cleveland and drawings by Brooke Fentress. And you have a signed copy. Oh, I've got letters from Forrest. Can I tell you how I got God? You know, then he gave he gave me that book. Yeah. Um, in exchange for spending the night at my house. Oh, wonderful. Right. Couch searching. Couch searching before couch surfing. Exactly. <laughs> he wanted to pitch his tent in my yard. And I said, well, why don't you just come in and, you know, I've got a desk to sure. And because I didn't know him, yes. but I knew who he was. Yes. And what had happened was they had talked to putting a quarry in off uh, Dehart Road up near Ivana's. Oh, yeah. You know, sort of in between there. Yeah. Putting a quarry in. And I forgotten about that. Uh huh. And I had just lived here about a year at that point. Yeah. And I thought, a quarry, you know, stone's throw from my house. You know, yeah. this is going to be loud and noisy. And then I got thinking, wait a minute, that's the headwaters near. The headwaters of the Dan River. Yes. And, I mean, that flows right through where they were going to do it. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if 
the Dan River Association if they know no. that this is even being talked about. Mm -hmm. And so the, they had a community meeting scheduled, uh, you know, with the county commission. You know, yeah. it, was, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And so I contacted Forrest and said, you might want to come up. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the book had been out at that point, five right. or six years. And so, but, you know, like I said, I didn't know who he was. I just thought he might. Is I wrote him a letter and said, this meeting date, that kind of thing. And so, by golly, he came up, and then we met at that meeting, and that's when he said, I'll pitch my tennis, I can get along, you know. And, uh, and so I got a signed copy, and we actually were friends for a number of years. Yeah. So. Yep, well, Dan River has been, we're meadows of Dan. Right. This is the town we're called. And um, the Dan River does start back up on the side of the mountain in a group of springs. There's no real one uh, source. There, there's a whole group of springs up on this ridge that um, you, you could be kind of arbitrary and say it's this one or this one or this one, but they soon come together. And... Um, so we're met as a dam because a man named Stephen Langren um, named, named the community. Or, uh, he call, I guess they called it the Meadows of Dan at the, originally. And the reason it was the Meadows was because when my ancestor came here, the, uh, there had been a big fire and had burned off the whole top of the mountain, uh, that was part of the top of the mountain. And he said the new growth was only up to the shoulder of a deer. Well, I did not know that. And um, there are stories about Native Americans. This probably wasn't a permanent settlement for uh, Native Americans, but there are stories about the uh, Native Americans doing a big burn mm -hmm. um, off to clear the, you know, to clear the area out so that uh, the undergrowth so that they could see game. Mm-hmm. So that's a possibility of what that happened. So you put those two stories together. And William Byrd is credited with naming the Dan River. He's the fellow that surveyed the dividing line between North Carolina and Virginia in the 1700s. Mm -hmm. And nobody really knows why he called it Dan. You know, he, he does mention in his diaries uh, the Dan, and saying he called it that, and he called another fort the Stanton River or something. Uh, so most people think that he um, named it because of a um, the tribe of Dan in the mm -hmm. Bible. Right. He does do he does make a lot of biblical references. Right. But there he uh, some people also think it maybe it was a Native American connection because he also. Uh, in his diaries, he uh, talks about Native American uh, backgrounds, too. Hmm. So, uh, down around Danville, um, there are places called Monotuck. Mm -hmm. uh, that was supposedly the original name of the river by the um, Native Americans in the region. Of course, you know, it's a long river, so it could have been called that near Danville and called something else further down and called something else up here. 
Yes, well, I, I did learn reading that book that it is 200 miles. It's a long river. It's yeah. a long river. And there, I went to a uh, seminar, and uh, this man talked about the Dan River. It was down at the Little's Homestead a long, long time ago. And when he was talking about it, it was crystal clear. I understood every word until I got outside. And I had no idea what he had said. I mean, it was really good. It was my fault. It was my comprehension. But the reason the river, the river used to go to the Mississippi really? eons ago. Okay. And I maybe, maybe I'm remembering this totally wrong. I should have looked it up. But the river used to go to the Mississippi a long time ago. And upheavals uh, and different things that happen. So you're talking like 200 million years. Yeah, well, eons, eons, long, long ago. And, you know, the, the, um, the mountains change. And so now it goes east. And the reason it's so long, when it moved, it didn't lose any money. So that's the reason. And, and there were things about the fall and... The, the, the twistiness and uh, why it's the way it is that he said. And he did a wonderful job of describing it, but I have no idea what it really is. It's just one of those things like genetics. It just won't stay in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So, but, that, but that was a fascinating talk. And um, the river falls very rapidly from, um, from its beginning all the way down, there's a place called Kibler Valley. And it's a pretty good-sized stream by the time it gets down there. But it, it falls like, I don't know, uh, I should have looked that up too. It's like 2,100 feet and a mm -hmm. quarter of a mile or something outrageous mm -hmm. that it really just drops fast. But look, you go out lower down road mm -hmm. and get to the end and look down. Yeah. I mean, you see that. Yeah, it's it, a yeah, It just like really goes, and then it goes further down. Mm -hmm. um, as um, from there to get to Kibler Valley. Yes, it's, it's, uh, that's probably why the city of Danville back in the twenties came and uh, set up the power plant. Right, because that's got to be energy. Yes, you know, that fall. So it's an unusual. Um, Stream. <laughs> we had, uh, there was a lady built a house on it up near where it starts. And uh, not long after she built the house, the river flooded down Danville. You know, there was a really bad flood. And so all her friends were anxious about her. <laughs> but you could, you could step over the river in front of her house. <laughs> Worried that her house is going to I didn't understand. But she lived on Dan River. <laughs> but in 1989, uh, well, I should backtrack a little bit. The center of the universe, of the Mediterranean universe that that river is, was because of the mills that were built on it. Yes. Um, the, the water powered grist um, mills. And um, there were several. Along, there's one you were talking about in Ivana. That was one of the early mills there that my great grandfather had for a while, and he didn't build it, but he had a um, mill there. And then our Copper's Mill, which is pretty famous, there was a big um, mill pond there. And in 1989, I think 
the Hugo washed away the dam because somebody forgot to open the floodgates. Mm. And so now the river goes through there instead of there being a pond. Yes, and I know when I moved here in 2001, that was a big controversy. The fellow who owned it at that time, mm -hmm. he was trying to rebuild the dam. Right. And, of course, the U.S. Corps of Engineers were saying, nope, no, it when it happened. He got the permit. Mm. At one point, but then he never had the wherewithal to build it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think things started falling apart. So, yeah. Well, I would think it'd be pretty hard in this day of people, you know, removing dams now for yeah. environmental yeah, purposes. It's, um, it's a wetland. Well, it's not even all that wet now. Uh, it was a swamp for a long time, but now it looks like it's dried out a good bit. And it's just the river running through there. Yeah. There was um, the river was so crooked. There was one place on it they called the Otter Arm <laughs> because it it went like an uh, like a what do you call it, a peninsula? Uh huh. You know, it folded back on itself, mm -hmm. and then there are all these little uh, jogs and different things. But the, the city of Danville did flood. Uh, they put two dams in. And they did flood a pretty large section of the, but it's a lot a long, thin lake. It's not a great big lake, but it's in a place called the Pinnacles. Um, and people used to go there for picnics and things. Ooh, quite the hike. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, there were, uh, Grandpa told me that uh, behind the, um, the dam on the bent, there was actually a community back there. Mm -hmm. The people used to walk out, um, you know, the, the um, I guess the uh, city of Danville bought the properties. They were pretty remote back in there. Now, when I first moved here, you could walk down to that dam, but things then changed pretty quickly after 9-11. Yeah. 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 Well. yeah. You, uh, suppose that at one time you could walk down there if you had a permit. Right. And they were pretty casual about it. They didn't mm -hmm. want to know who was down there mm -hmm. because when they let the people fish that river, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and so they wanted to know who was fishing because they would ring an alarm when they had to open the floodgates. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to know if there was anybody down the river. Right, yes. Before they, and, and I'm, you know, sure it wasn't a huge flood, but it probably enough to knock somebody down and he hit his head. But, but my folks, you always fish down in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, between the two dams, or below the dams, and on down. And there's a pipeline. You used to walk the pipeline. It went all the way down. And I never got to do that. But. Uh, well, we have a big piece of that wooden pipeline yeah. at the History Museum right. in Stewart, right out in front. There was some of that, um, the... Metal stuff. There was some of that under my porch of the shop. Huh. I don't know how it got there. Uh, but my handyman was there one day, and um, he recognized it. And he wanted to know could he have it, and I didn't have anything to do with. It. I mean, it's it's as wide as your couch. Yes. <laughs> you know, what would I ever do with these pieces of metal? So I let him take them off. Yeah. Part of history, but. 
Yes. Well, I'm glad we have that piece. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, that's awesome that y'all have that. Yes, at the museum. So it is preserved and it has a sign on it. And yeah, and it was pretty interesting when they were replacing the pipeline because they brought pieces in by helicopter. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and my grandfather and his friend George, our friend George Rogan, uh, would drive up so they could watch. Wow. Our grandpa, our George would take Grandpa over so he could watch them bring these sections. I guess they were bigger than that. Wow. To bring it in. So it's all metal now, I think. Mm. Because that was, they would, um, the two men that I knew that worked there had to wipe, walk that pipeline every day oh to my. check for leaks. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the old one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they had to do that now, but... The fact that that um, property was sold to the city of Danville, which is, what, 70 miles downstream? 88 miles. 88 miles downstream. Well, I, actually, I don't know river miles. I yeah. think it's probably 130 or yeah. so. Well, back in the 20s, um, our area was not totally isolated ever, but it was fairly isolated. Our friend Peter calls it a backwater. Right. <laughs> and um, so in the 1920s, when these people came in to build these dams, it was like opening to the world, basically. Uh, now, a lot of people had gone to World War One, you know, and uh, had, had a lot of men had served in the military in World War One. But when this, this group came in, they stayed in people's houses. Ooh. You know, the, there were no motels, hotels, nothing like that at all. And so people had some cash money because people were paying them. And then, of course, there were young men and young women, and uh, <laughs> the inevitable happened. And some men stayed and some women left. And it uh, was really pretty much the beginning of kind of opening the area to the world. So they were ready then when the Blue Ridge Parkway... Yeah, the Blue Ridge the... Parkway was the second thing that came in. Right. And it was a similar situation. People came in and there was no place to stay, so they rented their houses. And, and the girls met the guys and on, on that CCC camp. And, although the CCC camp, I think they were pretty strict mm. with um, interactions. They uh, kind of kept them... Uh, kept the men um, uh, supervised. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my, history is so yeah. exciting. Yeah, it's so interesting. But, uh, it's a unique area, a mm -hmm. unique history. Well, our friend um, Richard told us a story yeah, at church story. tonight. Wow. He apparently, he and his brother-in-law, right. Ellis, were the scoutmasters here, and they each year would take a group of the scouts down. I'm not sure exactly where near Pinnacle. Yeah, it was it was uh, between Pinnacles and Medicine Dan in the Mayberry section. They were on Mr. Stanley's Neil Stanley's property. Okay, so um, that's right. Yeah, and. They were, uh, this is the first day of fishing season. Right, which is a big, used to be a huge deal. Because they, that was the one time that they put the trout, they stopped the rivers. Right, yeah. And they stopped the Dan River. Rivers. And they also had a fishing season from X to X. 
and then you couldn't fish outside that time. Now it's year round, I right. think. And I'm not sure about that. Right, yes, they yes. did change yeah. how they stocked, but it was there for a long time, just that one drop. So everybody went out. Yeah, everybody went out. It was a big party. Right, <laughs> and so these Boy Scouts yeah. all went out and uh, they fished and caught all their fish. There were limits to how many fish you could catch. Was there? Yeah, yes. oh, I'm sure. I guess yes. so. Well, that's why the story. Well, and apparently, um, Ellis walked around the back of the shed or wherever they were staying, uh, maybe tents, and found two fish that had someone had tried to hide them because they didn't want to clean them. One of the little boy yeah. scouts. Yeah. So, Ellis wakes them all up, it's early in the morning, he did this, and nobody would claim that they had, had neglected their duty. Well, so, he said, all right, we're going to have a funeral for these fish, and you all are going to uh, say an elegy. <laughs> <laughs> and Richard said, do you know that when... Um, Reverend John Franklin, one of the United Methodist ministers here in the county, he was one of the little Boy Scouts. Yeah. And when he did Ellis's funeral uh, a year or two back, he told that story yeah. that he'd never forgotten a lesson learned. Well, they, you know, they would highly, highly offended by the waste. Oh, yes. These, uh, these men, because that, uh, like I say, they stocked once a year, and uh, so they would be highly offended that the uh, fish were wasted. Absolutely. Sure. And there was a limit to how many you could uh, catch. Which makes sense. Like eight or something. Right. A day or something. Right, but people would spray salt them, or, or uh, I don't know how you would preserve them, or eat them right up. Well, yeah, yeah, you made them. My grandfather, um, our friend Ruth Jane, used to tell that um, she would look out the window and my grandfather would be, there was a stump out back, and he would be cleaning fish and pushing cats aside <laughs> while he was doing it. And she would go get the pan and start the uh, cornbread or the hush puppies or whatever. Uh, he wouldn't even say anything. He'd just walk by the house and, sit there <laughs> and start cleaning the fish. So, um, what a treat. Nothing better than fresh trout. I know. And see, I grew up on that in West Virginia. Two people used to pay my daddy and fish sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And daddy used to um, fish in some fairly remote areas off the dam. There's, there are dozens of little streams. We don't have big water here. Right. Uh, there are uh, some large, much larger streams further west in southwest Virginia, but we just don't have big streams. Uh, but he would go back into a lot of these hollows and find what he called the native trap, mm -hmm. which were pink. Wow, yum. And they were really good. They, they were generally smaller than the stock trap. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they even exist anymore. Mm -hmm. but, uh, we would have the rainbow trap. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the stock. Well, not, not I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Of course, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um, wasn't it a treat you and I had trout? Oh, yeah, from Longfin Grill. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. 
So good. And they have it again this week, and I may have to go down there. Oh, yes. It's a special treat. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have one more story, historical-wise. It's people around here, particularly around the Mayberry section, would tell you about the lost silver mine that was down in the Pinnacles, and it existed long before the uh, Danville purchase. And people would look for it. In fact, there are, I guess he still exists, there are a couple of uh, rifles that were made in the area that had silver as a decoration. And so this, this was a story that I was told from the time I was small, that a family of, a, a family of our ancestors had found the mine and they were counterfeiting coins and uh, their name was Renfro. The, the coins were too pure and that's how they got caught because uh, you know the, the mint the mint and coins have base metal in them and this, these were too pure. So there's two versions of the story either the Native Americans attacked them and they had to flee or the government had caught on and they had to flee but the, the, uh, they had to flee. Uh, so they, it's like the middle of the night, and they're headed up toward Ohio. Well, they're headed west, and they have this big horse, and he's called the Renfro Stallion. And um, for some reason, I think he's a big gray horse. I don't know for sure about that. But they put Grandma up on it. They're they're going in the dark, you know, through the woods, no uh, trail or anything. Uh, they put Grandma up on it, and um, it starts raining. And they're going on and going on and going on. And all of a sudden the horse stops. Won't go anymore. And they push him and they beat him. And they he just will not go anymore. Middle of the night. And so he just won't, won't move. So they all crawl up under him uh, to wait for daylight. And when they uh, wake up, uh, the horse is standing on the edge of the uh, a cliff over New River. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> but anyway, they made their way to Kentucky. And apparently settled there and were uh, fairly successful as um, business people or something. But that was the story of the... That's part of the story of the lost silver mine. So people hunted and hunted for the silver mine. Nobody could ever find it. Grandpa said, well, uh, it got flooded when um, the Danville Project came in. I was talking to another fellow down at Mayberry when we were doing the book, and I just brought it up, and he said, oh, I know all about that. And he said um, there was a local man who was working at the mint um, up in Philadelphia, and a couple of silver ingots fell off of a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he told me the name, but I can't think of it right off the top of my head. And so he bought the... Um, ingots down and they found a cave somewhere in um, the pinnacles and started to small thing this pure silver from the mint <laughs> which made more sense because we do not have the terrain for silver and gold <laughs> uh, but it's fun how these, the stories come together yes you know after all this time but that totally made sense to me uh-huh. so, oh that's a great yeah that's so that the, the uh, ingots just kind of fell off the wagon one day <laughs> and he happened to be there to catch them <laughs> oh my goodness yes the Dan River has a lot of 
twists and turns and hollers and, and twists yes our um wonderful school that we had that was built in 1934 35 burned you know several years ago and the um before that happened they had a fellow come in and put in these murals and by on the uh bottom floor it was historical uh buildings and historical happenings that um you know about Moses Dan they had the um the old iron furnace and the churches and some old school houses and different things upstairs was the Dan River oh my yeah and I wish I could remember more about it Ralph Lutz helped them oh my do the um to do the layout of it and I think he had some of the animals and some of the plants. Well, maybe somebody has that pattern somewhere. I just don't know. If mm-hmm. they do or not, I just remember going to see it when they had the opening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was that was a tragedy to me when the school burned, besides all the memories, and was that those murals were lost. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have one more story. Oh, keep talking, <laughs> Leslie. I am thrilled. Well, um, our friend Felicia bought a piece of property out in the out at the edge of the Pinnacles, and there was this dry creek bed that went down from her property down toward the Dan River. And she and a couple of other people had walked part way down, and they thought they had gotten almost all the way. Well, one afternoon at three o'clock, she and Ralph. Uh, decided that they were going to go all the way down the, uh, to the river. You know, so we parked a car. So that is at the, at the bottom where they think it's going to come out. So that's like 3.30 or quarter or four. And uh, we start. And it's like six hours later. Oh <laughs> we're wading up Dan River. Oh, my. And so it was a whole lot longer. I mean, we climbed, and we, we went over rocks, and we went under. It was one of the best experiences of my life, Sounds actually. Well, it was terrifyingly fun. Right. And, you know, we were sliding down a hill and smelling cucumbers and not knowing what that's about. And <laughs> oh, yeah. At one point, we got to a place where we were on this big rock, and it just seemed like we were done. And uh, Ralph said something about, let's go back. And I looked up and, ain't no way. <laughs> it was sheer, it was that drop, that 1,200 feet and a quarter of a mile or however much it is. Wow. Where this, um, this drive creek bed went. So we got down to, we finally got down to the bottom in pitch dark, walking up to the river. Uh, hoping we're going the right way. <laughs> and we're behind the powerhouse. We're on the city of Danville property. We're nowhere near where we thought we'd be. And so we get to the uh, to the powerhouse. And we're not supposed to be there. <laughs> and there's a group of men, men sit, sitting there. Uh, at the Gathered around the back of a pickup. Well, you know what they're doing. They're drinking beer mm-hmm. on city of Danville property. Mm-hmm. So we walk by. They said, hey. We said, hey. And just kind of a tacit, silent agreement, we decided we weren't going to confront either of us about anything. We kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> and we found Ralph's car about a mile down the road. Wow. Wow. But it was a great experience. Oh, that sounds Yeah, wonderful. it was really cool. Yeah, it's a wonder we hadn't been killed 14 times over, though. <laughs> <laughs>
I tried walking down to the dam. Yeah, we were that's off, what off of the light ridge uh, yeah. just the other day. And as I was going, I realized I hadn't told anyone. And it was it was going to get steep and long. And I yeah. thought, yeah, I was, need to tell someone before yeah, I do this. Yeah, you probably need to have somebody with you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's some pretty rough terrain. Primland backs up to... Pimland's a big resort, hunting resort, backs up to uh, the uh, Pinnacles property. I, I think they probably own part of it, and then um, the Danville property. Uh, they pretty much side by side, and when you go out on that ridge where uh, where Pimland is when you're driving in, there's a sheer drop on either oh, side. Yes. Oh, yes. That river's been there a long time. You can get shift. Yeah. Well, that is new some country. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we're so fortunate. Yeah. Well, I was going to close us up with a quote, actually from Herman Hess, mm-hmm. from Siddhartha. Ah. Have you also learned that secret from the river, that there is no such thing is time. That the river is everywhere at the same time, at the source and at the mouth, at the waterfall, at the ferry, at the current, in the ocean and in the mountains, everywhere. And that the present only exists for it, not the shadow of the past nor the shadow of the future. Wow. Yeah, the river. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Well, our show notes can be found at www.quincepodcast.com. Uh, you can also find us at podbean.com. We are on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes. Uh, you can find us on iTunes uh, with Beth Almond Ford or Leslie Schumer. We're just everywhere. So try to find us. Uh, enjoy, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.